This podcast is part of the Podbelly Network. Please visit podbelly.com to see a complete listing of all of our other shows. It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mixing just a little bit of twain. That girl sure can't do a thing. Together, hillbillies go insane. Laugh so hard it'll hurt your brain. Podcast you won't ever change. These two here, they got the recipe. Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries, eh? Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories. And now here's your host. Jerry and Tracy Polly and their dog Ninja. Hey guys, welcome to episode 184 of Hibbly Horror Stories. I'm Jerry. I'm Tracy. Well, you couldn't have sounded more pedestrian than that. Pedestrian? What does that even mean? It just meant you was just like blase, blase. I'm Tracy. Oh, I'm Tracy. (laughs) (laughs) And if you're bored, just let me know. Ninja can sit in your seat and take over. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, first of all, <laughs> we want to thank all of our military and civil servants all over the world, no matter which country you represent. Thank you, guys, gals, and canines for everything you do. God bless you guys. Thank you for keeping us safe. And if there's like any drug sniffing parrots or something out there, thank you too. I don't, hey. I don't, I don't want to leave out all of them. No, we, we appreciate everybody. What are you doing? You're all undressing and stuff in front of the microphone. No, I'm not. That's risque. Okay. Also, we want to make sure that we remind everybody that if you're going through a tough time, feel free to reach out. Uh, don't feel like that you're alone because you're definitely not. We know a lot of people struggle, and we know a lot of people think that they're all alone. They think that nobody wants to hear their problems. And that's just not the case. Not most, to be. most people will genuinely listen to what you have to say and give you some feedback if that's what you're looking for. Yes. We're always here to listen and help in any way that we can. So Obvious, please reach out. Yeah. Obviously, the group is huge on that. We I've seen several different people post this week uh, about how they're happy that they're in the group and that they've got the support that they didn't have in their outside world. Good. That's what we like to hear. All right. So how about, I'm going to do some different stuff. I'm actually getting a little bit ahead on some of these stories for the first time in three and a half years. Mm -hmm. And we're going to try to incorporate some places that we really haven't done a lot of. Okay. So like in a couple of weeks, we have some stories from Brazil. We've never done a story from Brazil ever. And I mean, think about that. We've had... 200 episodes almost on here. We've had 500 shorts, 50 or 60 bonus episodes, and we've never done a story from Brazil. Well, take care of it right now. Yeah, I'll I'll take care of it in three weeks. Oh. (laughs) Because tonight we're going to go to a country where we've done some, but not very much, Mexico. Okay. And then next week we're going to go to uh, (laughs) Illinois. Okay. (laughs) We're all over the place. We're all over the map. All right, so like I said, we haven't done very many stories in Mexico, so I thought we would do a couple of them tonight. Now, some of these are hard to get very much info on, so that's why they're um, not going to be all very long, uh, but we'll get as much of it as we can. I don't know what it is about some of these foreign countries. 
but the paranormal, I think because people don't look at the paranormal the same way they do in other countries as what we do in the U.S. Hmm. That's um, interesting. Yeah. I mean, because like if you look at our listener base, our listener base is 85% America. Mm-hmm. And then you've got Canada mm-hmm. right behind that. And then it goes to England, Australia. So, I mean, but even England, Australia, uh, Canada, even though they're English-speaking countries, they still only make up about 10% of the listener base. And you would say, okay, well, yeah, it makes sense because you're an American podcast. But if you go to the English podcasters, 89% of their um, listener base is also American. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just a, paranormal is just a bigger deal here. Yeah. And I think that's why it's easier to find a lot more information on the stories here. All right. So, and I, I found that the same thing when I was some of these places in Brazil. It's like a top 10 list. And it's like, I'll find something that was like number three. And it's like, you can find a paragraph. It's mm. like, it's the third haunted, most haunted place. And you can find a paragraph. Mm-hmm. So it's very hard. Anyway, so we're back to Mexico. The first one we're going to talk about tonight is Pasado del Sol. This is, and that's Spanish for Hotel of the Sun. Okay. Sounds pretty, don't it? Yeah, it does. So this hotel was built in the early 1940s by Fernando Saldana Galvan. And it was in Mexico City. Galvan was an architect, and he had plans to make this one of the most extravagant hotels in the entire world. He wanted the hotel to be like a Las Vegas-style venue. Wow. He wanted it to be a place for artists and intellectuals to be able to come and hang out. And the real problem here was the local government. So Galvan's building plan started out fine, but he struggled financially to keep up with the cost of the actual um, constant having to grease the hands of politicians mm-hmm. because everything was kind of shady yeah. at that point. So he was having to come up with all this extra money for that. Uh, there was all these different permits that they kept coming up with that he had to have, which he shouldn't have had to. And like I said, when those things kept popping up, financially he had a rough time keeping up because he was also you know, spending a fortune on everything that this hotel was made of and everything that was inside of it. And I think the government knew this. So they knew that, what are you going to do? You're going to have to pay it because you've already started and you've already spent a fortune on it. So they kind of took advantage of the situation. Bunch of buttholes. When the hotel was finally finished, it was absolutely beautiful. It had beautifully hand-carved stones and statues all over the courtyards. Six stories was how tall this thing was and had over 600 rooms. Daggone. He wasn't playing around. No, absolutely not. It had restaurants and even had a casino. So it really was like a Las Vegas type deal. It had a human-sized chessboard. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Unfortunately, Galvan was significantly in debt by the time this thing was was done. And what should have taken months took years to do because of all the permit problems and all that stuff. So the hotel only remained open for eight months. Oh, no way. He ran out of money. I mean... And he had to file bankruptcy. Was it opened at this point? Yeah. And he just... Wasn't getting enough people coming in? No, I mean, he was so far behind that he wouldn't Aww, get enough Oh, that's a shame. In 1945, Galvan carved this into a stone located within the hotel. He said, I recommend that the vain and the angry without merit be appraised, who tried to humiliate me 
overloaded me with difficulties or climbed over me to increase their own ostentation and patrimony while I have worked with no truce and no hope. FSG, February 22nd, 1945. So he carved that in a stone. And like I said, he was an architect and he was a sculptor and all this stuff, artist. Galvan then proceeded to hang himself in front of the statue of St. Francis of Assisi in the courtyard. So the years after the hotel closed, it became several government offices. There is a story that during this time, a worker brought their six-year-old daughter to work one day. Somehow, though, they lost sight of the the little girl, and she was later found dead in the basement. (gasps) What? There's another version of this story that says that the the six-year-old little girl ran away from home and was later found in the basement. So there's kind of variations on what happened. So that little girl is said to haunt this building, even today, even though it's been, the hotel has been abandoned for years. This place is just literally falling apart right now. The inside, it's amazing because the outside, if you're from the street level, it literally looks like it could fall down any minute. But if you actually walk inside to where the, all the courtyard and stuff is, it literally looks like it's not even been abandoned. It's in great shape, which is kind of odd when you think about it. So anyway, so the hotel's been in ruins for several years, but there's still an altar down in the basement for this little girl. And this altar is full of like candy and toys and stuff like that. Visitors, uh, and I use that term loosely because it's closed, so you really can't visit uh, unless you pay a cop, which that's what everybody does. They slip pay a, a cop. cop. They pay a cop a couple bucks and they let them slip in. Because they got a big fence and like gate around it, but all these people get in and shoot video even though they're not supposed to be in there. Oh, not supposed to be in there. Because cops let them in there. But anyway, if you're able to get in there, you need to bring some kind of candy and put in the altar. Otherwise, the little girl, you know, will supposedly harass you and bother you. But if you bring her candy and put it at the altar, she'll leave you alone. Mm-hmm. And they actually sell all this candy and stuff right outside the place. Mm-hmm. That's how often people get in, even though they're not supposed to. <laughs> so this place is known to be bad luck as well. They keep trying to renovate it, but for some reason, something always seems to happen that kills the deal. Maybe it's the horrible history. Not only have there been the suicide of Galvan, but it also who's also said to haunt this place, by the way, and a little girl, but there's the story of a former police chief who used to use this personally as a torture chamber. I guess he, from my understanding, he had his office in there. But oh. uh, his name was uh, Nego Darasso. He was a very corrupt police chief that sold cocaine, and he tortured people, and several of those people were in that basement of that house, or that uh, building, I should say. How horrible. Those people who were tortured are some of the spirits that are thought to be haunting the place today. Another thing that gets brought up a bunch of times is that there's a Masonic temple built inside of this hotel. Because, well, we're going to get into that. Galvan had ties to the Freemasons. So when he built this thing, he put the temple inside. Mm-hmm. The temple, by the way, is in excellent shape. Mm-hmm. Like the place hadn't been, you know, avoided for years and years and years. 
but he had all these ties and he put uh, Masonic symbols, uh, pentagrams and, and all a bunch of other symbols all throughout the hotel. So there's Masonic imagery everywhere throughout the hotel. Mexico City at the time also had really strong ties with the Freemasons. So the rumors actually say that Galvan had gotten himself into some kind of troubles with the Freemasons. And as far as like the political part of Mexico City, and, and they shut the hotel down basically themselves. And that was the ultimate reason for his suicide. Yes, mm. you know, he, they, they, apparently they had, uh, the Freemasons in Mexico City had, were running like the mob, basically, in a lot of places. So they had a lot to do with the extra money that was being charged and the, they were some of the palms that were being greased, so to speak. So basically, you know, that's the story of the, uh, haunted hotel there in Mexico City. That kind of hurts my heart. That's such a, just a daggone shame he went through all that and for what? Nothing. His own death, losing yeah. everything. What started off as something that was a dream that he was accomplishing ends up being the death of him. Yeah. Wow. I got a bunch of cool stories. All these are in Mexico City, by the way. I know I said Mexico, but they're all actually in the city. Oh, well, you said Mexico City. Okay, I wasn't sure. Yeah. This one's called La Mora. Now, this is one of Mexico's most haunted houses. It's got several different levels. It's kind of weird shaped. It's all kind of squared off. Mm-hmm. And it's painted black. All the house, of it. All the house is all black? Every bit of it. Black. Wow. The Rolling Stones will be proud. Mm-hmm. If um, th- this story, if you've seen The haunted, Haunting of Hill House, on which I know you haven't, but if you've seen The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix... The storyline kind of is similar to what went on there. So there's this little little boy. His name is Marcus, and he's roughly eight years old. He's out playing, and he gets to this house. It's already abandoned at this point. He wanders into the house. As soon as he gets in there, he hears a disembodied voice coming from everywhere. It's like it's coming from, he can't even pinpoint where it's coming from. It's every angle. Instead of running out of the house, he kept going. He eventually makes his way up to the bedrooms that are upstairs. In one of these bedrooms, he saw an apparition of a man who had hung himself. He was hanging from the ceiling. So at this point, he does leave the house. He's scared to death. Sadly, though, Marcus could not quit thinking about what he had seen in this house and it literally consumed the next 10 years of his life. So for some unknown reason, 10 years later, Marcus goes back to La Mora. He went to the same bedroom and hung himself. <gasps> no, he didn't. Some people feel like that maybe this was his destiny. So, which is why I said it was like the haunting of Hill House, because that's kind of what happened there. The girl came back to the house and committed suicide. So think about this. Was this actually an older version of him that he saw that day? Hmm. I mean, was that him that he saw hanging from the ceiling? Where it was, that's like, like I said, it may have been his destiny. Or did the entity that he did see somehow possess Marcus in some way and persuade him to do this. 
Well, either way, that's terrible. I mean, nobody can say for sure. All we know for sure is that most of the locals around there believe that this house is extremely haunted. Everything that can happen in a haunting has been seen or heard here. Of course, you got the disembodied voices and the, and the other sounds and stuff, but also poltergeist activity. Strange lights have been seen by people passing by the place. Many visitors have seen shadow figures, and they say that they see other things while they're like in the house, while they're roaming around. Like visions of things that are uh, kind of like a movie that plays in our head. Mm-hmm. So it literally is not like, oh, I see a thing. It's like they see something playing out in front of them, like they're sitting at a play or something. Mm-hmm. So is the story of Marcus true or is it folklore? I couldn't find anything to prove or disprove this. And the house is a private re- private residence, though, now that somebody actually lives in. Well, like I said, it's hard to find a lot of info on these stories. So, Gosh, I don't know if I could live there or not. <laughs> oh, just because the whole house was black. I'm sure they painted it, surely. Or is it still black in the later years? I mean, the most recent picture I've seen, it was 100% black. It's literally like... Everybody, I mean, everything. There's no other color. Every single part of the house is black. Like the wallpaper? Or, I mean, the paint in the... I mean, Outside, babe. Oh, but not inside, it's not? No, inside, it's not like that. It's outside. Outside. Next one, the Palace of the Inquisition. So this place is absolutely gorgeous. But, man, does it have a history. (laughs) The building itself was actually built back in the early 1730s. And that's... It, at the point, at that point, it was the New Spain uh, Tribunal of the Holy Inquisition. Try saying that three times real fast, <laughs> or once. No. <laughs> so that's a very long name, and we won't call it that anymore. The building actually operated under that authority until 1820, so about 84 years. What authority, you might ask? Go ahead. What authority are you speaking of? Well. Back then, the Holy Inquisition's purpose was to torture anybody who went against the church, such as witches, blasphemers. I think it's blasphemers, 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 blasphemers. They get the gist. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's blasphemers. Really? Yes. I could be wrong. No, that's all right. We said it enough times. Anyways. They would torture them until they confessed, and then they were executed inside that building. It makes me think about the uh, History of the World, Part 1, Mel Brooks, when they run around, the Inquisition. Hell yeah. <laughs> so even though they confessed, they still got done Oh, with. yeah. Well, the, the, it, why do you hear some of these statistics and that? So it was, it was kind of like a one-stop shop for heretics, <laughs> basically. <laughs> so Tracy... Ask me how many cases were put on trial in this building in the 84 years under the Inquisition. I would like to know how many cases there were. A bunch. A bunch. Can you narrow that down? No. A a shit ton. (laughs) So, better question. Ask me how many of the people that were put on trial escaped execution. Well, I mean, I guess none. Zero. Oh. Every person that went on trial was executed. 
Man. In 84 years. Oh, God. (laughs) How many, how many could that even be? I mean, it's got to be thousands. It even once had a secret prison and a dungeon for the sole purpose of being used as a torture chamber. Their favorite torture method? The rack. Let me rephrase that. One of their favorite was the rack. We've discussed this one before because Leslie brought it up in her mm-hmm. little torture segment. And for those of you who didn't hear that segment, it's basically they you're laid straight out. They shackle your feet and tie that to basically a, a gear. And then your arms are straight up, you know, above your head like you're getting ready to jump off diving into a pool. And then they shackle your hands to another gear. And then they just stretch you until stuff just starts popping apart. Oh, my God. It does sound like fun. But that wasn't their first choice, as I as I wrongly said. As far if as they could stretch goes. me just long enough to make me skinny and tall and then just stop. <laughs> that would be awesome. Sorry. There's a form of torture called strapado. They would tie the victim's hand, hands behind their back. And then they would pull the victim up with those same hands to a very high level. And then they would let them drop. But they would stop them abruptly before hitting the ground, causing a giant yank. <gasps> this would typically dislocate your shoulders. Sometimes they would add weights to your body before they let you drop, just to make it an even harder jerk. There were other ways of torture here, but these were the main two things that they use. The rack and that. I don't like that. Well, I'm sure neither did the people being dropped. It was like, it'd be like somebody bungee jumping, mm-hmm. but without it being a stretch to the cord. The Inquisition ended in 1820 and the building was basically put up for an auction and it was eventually <gasps> become a museum of Mexican medicine. So this place is a lot like the museum that we went to in Philadelphia, the Mutter Museum, or Mutter Museum. That place was so cool. So it's got a lot of the same type of things. And yes, the place is haunted, as you would imagine. Shadow figures are seen within the museum. Haunted as a mofo. Yeah. In several different parts of the museum, many visitors have reported the feeling of being watched only to turn around and to see that there is absolutely nobody there. The claim that most often reported, though, is the sound of screaming that sounds a lot like somebody being tortured. Now, these screams are most often heard by the staff and the security in the evening after the museum is closed, and therefore there would be no other people there that could be doing this. And the museum is actually open, and it's free. If anybody's in Mexico City and wants to go. No kidding. If you plan a trip to Mexico City, hit this place up. Last but not least, what list of haunted locations in Mexico City could be complete without the Black Palace? It's not a prison anymore, but it's still being used today as Mexico's National Archive. At the time that it operated as a prison, though, it was one of the most notorious feared prisons in all of Mexico. 
I mean, it takes a lot to earn the name The Black Palace. Think about that. Mm -hmm. It served as a prison from 1900 to 1976, and the official name was Palacio de La Cumberi. And I probably butchered that, but it looks like La Cumberi. If you were a prisoner here, you were probably going to be tortured. It's a common theme in Mexico City in the early 1800s. Corruption was all over the place in this prison, and, and it held a lot of political prisoners. So you could imagine that being a situation to where a lot of corruptness would obviously take place when you got a lot of uh, politicians and people from the wars and stuff like that. Unfortunately, there was also plenty of innocent people that were here as well. There was also lots of murder from within the prison walls. And as we've discussed several times, prisons along with mental institutions are some of the most haunted locations because all of the negative energy that's pent up there from so many people uh, from one type of pain or another. This prison is absolutely no exception. Staff and the visitors hear the tortured cries of former prisoners on a daily basis. It's said that the cries echo through the whole building when only a few people are present. The ghost of Don Jacinto is the most popular story here. He was an inmate, and uh, Don liked to kind of walk down the empty hallways, roaming the areas that used to be the jail cells. You can hear him saying, again, Amelia didn't come. Who's Amelia, you might ask? Well, she was his fiance, his one true love. And as you would expect from the woman that you love with all of your heart, she cheated on him and framed him for murder that got him sent to jail. Which is, you know, obviously why he's running around saying, Amelia didn't come again. There is another version of the story, though. And this story said that Don was a custodian who actually died in the prison in the 1940s, and he's just waiting for Amelia to join him there. Aww. So, two completely different stories, but... I kind of like that one the best. Well, I mean, I hate to be a negative Nancy, but, you know, hey, Don, uh, it's been like 80 years if she hadn't came yet. Hmm. I'm sure she's already died. Maybe. Guess, hmm. He just loves her. Yeah. Well, she hadn't gotten there yet. She ain't coming. That's all I'm saying. So this really is kind of a cool place that you can also visit, and it's also free. Some of the cell blocks have been transformed into offices, and other cells are actually used for storage. Like I said, it's free to the public, and it is somewhat of a museum, even though it's not officially a museum. So there's a bunch of stuff in there. You know, I said that was going to be the last one, but I'm going to add another small one. It's just a little bitty one. Mm-hmm. Antonia's house. And I, this one's kind of more of an urban legend. That's why I really can't mm-hmm. include that. Though there is a house there. It's in the uh, Chapultepec Forest. And supposedly there was this really rich woman. Her husband died. And she was very lonely, very depressed. And there was a bunch of, I guess, street kids that were orphans. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she took in these street kids. And the townspeople loved her. She had a lot of respect. But supposedly the kids didn't. Like, even though she took them in, they were like jerks. So they would tease her. And there's two versions of the story. Uh, basically, she got fed up with it. She kind of went ballistic. She killed a bunch of the kids, 
took them out and threw them in a creek. <laughs> oh, I know that's not funny. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then she started feeling like really guilty, and then she took her own life. Oh man. There's another version though that says that the kids also teased her and all that. Same same parts the same. But they knew she had money, and they thought she had some stored in the house, so they killed her, basically, so they could just find her money and take advantage of her. The house is not accessible to the public. It's like literally out in the woods, and you can see it from certain places, but I think it's a private residence now, so you can't just go check it out. But they say if you're in this area that you can hear children screaming, and crying and stuff like that during the nighttime when you're out there. It's like I said, more of an urban legend type thing. But no, that's a terrible story. It is a terrible story. But it is what it is. Well, okay. <laughs> so, anyways, that's our stories on Mexico City. Very interesting, and I don't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you don't have to worry about the ghosts. Well, you that's worry true. About the drug cartel. <laughs> so, anyways, that's uh, that's where we're at, and then. Uh, like I said, just a little reminder that we have all of our shows starting to come up. I mean, we're getting ready to be into February. Matter of fact, by the time this goes, where we will be in February, it'll be yeah. February second. Uh, and you know, we've got the show that we're doing. And I bought us tickets for Waverly because everybody keeps asking. I bought us two tickets for Waverly for an eight p.m. that night. And when I got mine, there was only eight tickets left. Eight tickets? Yeah, for Waverly for the actual Waverly tours. And once again, Waverly Hills Sanatorium is not affiliated in any way, shape, or form with Hibbley Horror Stories. So True that. But we are doing a live show at 2 o'clock at the VFW in Louisville that day with Bishop James Long and the boys from Ohio and History Goes Bump. Oh, and my then, gosh. I cannot wait. And then a bunch of us. That's April 25th. And then a bunch of us are going over to Waverly to take the tours. Yeah. Even though not, we're not affiliated with Waverly. Yeah. But we appreciate that they allow us to do that. So. Yes, that we appreciate that they allow us to pay for our tickets like any other patron that's not affiliated with them. All right, so <laughs> and then, like I said, then the next month we got Indianapolis. The next month we got Chicago. We got Pigeon Forge. We got Gettysburg. We got Savannah. We've got Bobby Mackey's, and we've got Charleston. And I think that's all of them. But those are going to be fun as hell. So can't wait. So all right, guys. Let's uh let's do some Patreon and some iTunes reviews and Ninja Barkin. So our iTunes reviews are this week Timmy Fishboy, which I guess was an okay review. <laughs> was that the one about your laugh? No, it was the one about the light bulb. Oh, that's right. <laughs> the laugh one was last week. Uh, Mandy R O eight, Crazy Goofer. Brooklyn and Rose, or not in Brooklyn and Rose, Brooklyn Rose, Disaster, Jake4824, Talk to Me 2020, Calipo Girl 8, Bronx X, and Circus Clown 70. Thank you guys for your reviews. Um, one of them was okay too. It said I, we chit chat too much, but <laughs> get over it. So yeah, that was somebody who I think's listened to some of the older episodes, <laughs> and it's obviously the deal. Look, we learn as we go, and we listen. So if people say, "Hey, there was too much chit chat," if you remember, about a year ago we changed it to 
the iTunes reviews and all that were after the show. Yeah. Instead of in the beginning and we don't talk about, you know, we pretty much now get into the show within between three and five minutes. That's right. kind of our golden right. rule. But anyway, we still appreciate your reviews. So, so, yeah, they just, I think they probably listen to some of the old ones because I don't have any way of, yeah. well, I mean, I could go back and change all of them, but I'm not because that's a lot of editing. <laughs> that's so. true. But anyway, you guys keep those reviews coming. We like them. We can take the criticism for real. And we know we need to improve on things and we appreciate you all letting us know. And our Patreon for this week was Jody. Dan, D-A-N-I-O-W. I don't want to pronounce it wrong, but thank you, Jody, so much for your support and all you people that joined in on the $50 lifetime. for lifetime membership. That was amazing. Um, we thank you so much for that. And um, what else, babe? Yeah, it's supposed to be over as of yesterday, but I'll be honest with you, I've been busy. We're getting ready to go on vacation next week. Mm-hmm. So we have been trying to do... All these extra episodes that we added, we've been trying to get three or four or five weeks ahead on them. So we've been doing nonstop recording. To be honest with you, I haven't went and changed it. So should somebody accidentally sneak in there and snag it because they forgot, uh, we'll still honor it. And I'll, mm-hmm. probably, I'll take it down sometime tomorrow. Yeah. But thank you guys again. Yeah, it's um, been awesome. Yeah, it has been awesome. And you guys are a blessing. And we love you all so much. Absolutely. Thank you guys so much. And uh, like I said, if there's... There's some shows, um, live shows starting, getting ready to start coming up. So go hit those up. We've got Louisville, Indianapolis, Gettysburg, Savannah. Where else? We got Pigeon Forge with the Graveyard Tales. That mm-hmm. one's going to be so much fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charleston. Man. We got a bunch. Bobby Mackey's. So it's going to be a blast. Yeah. We can't wait to see you guys. All right. Yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to add this in there real quick because I put it up on the, uh, the group, but not everybody sees the group. We are going to add a fifth show. It's probably going to be, uh, Maybe the end of this month, beginning of March. But we're going to have Kristen, which is our daughter. And you've heard her on the show a bunch of times. She does a segment with me on the uh, the Fear of the Week where we do some paranormal news. And Dakota, which is her daughter and our granddaughter. You've heard Dakota on the show a few times. We're going to give Kristen and Dakota their own show. It's going to be a short one, probably be like 15 minutes or so. But it'll be strictly geared towards a younger crowd, probably 13 and under. Mm-hmm. So it'll be something I think everybody can like. It's not like it's going to be childish. No. But it's going to be a lot of uh, teaching. You know, we talk about a lot of stuff on the show that we take for granted that everybody knows. And a lot of the adults probably do know what an orb is or the difference between a ghost and a poltergeist and what a shadow, uh, you know, a shadow creature, a shadow figure is. But Maybe some of the younger kids, and we know we got a lot of younger listeners, may not know what all those things are. They'll hear it, but they may not know exactly. And that's part of what they're going to do is they're going to give some a little bit of training. And Coda is 11. So the, it'll be right in their wheelhouse as far as a perspective from someone their age. So we think it'd be kind of fun and interesting to do. Yeah, they're looking forward to it. Coda's very excited. Yeah, so we're getting that ball rolling. They're they're in the process of researching some things and, and putting some shows together. They'll get them recorded. And then, uh, like I said, by the end of this month, beginning of March, we should be able to start rolling them out. So thank you guys for everything you do. We appreciate you. Have a blessed week.